What's happening, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Unparalleled Sports Talk with Joe's Kwame Fisher-Jones. And today I'm joined for a special football, I guess Thursday is what we usually do. I'm joined by a special football episode <laughs> by my man Chris Franklin of NJ.com, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, not Sixers, even though I just had Sixers on the brain. I just got hit with some news. What's going on, Chris? Hey, I'm doing well, man. Hey, you know, if Monday Night Football can do it and have a Saturday afternoon, a Saturday night game, hey, we can do it too. We're, we're that good. <laughs> and it's a good Saturday night game. I actually think the Cowgirls are going to win. As much as I'd love for them to lose, I think they're going to pull this one out. Um, I'm not ready to trust Detroit. Much like I don't trust Penn State, but that's that's a story for another day. I swear every year, every year, games for I root back. I'm on Penn State, on Penn State. And every year they let me down. And this is no different. 31-17 in the bowl game. Anyway, back to back to the topic. Yeah, I think the Cowgirls are going to win. But before we get to any of that, man, it's the holiday season, my favorite time of year, whatever holiday you celebrate, you know, and, and uh, we all love Thanksgiving for the food. It's a joyous time of year. So I got to start off with a happy story, man. Joe Flacco, what the H-E double hockey sticks is going on with Joe Flacco. Like, are you kidding me right now? <laughs> well, the thing is, when you look at a guy like Flacco and the way that he basically commands an offense, the way he's just he's just taking what the defense gives him and he's being accurate. That's that's the thing. He's accurate, just putting it in a position for these guys to, to make plays, and it's just working so well. Did so well that like he was nodding off, even though he says he wasn't like he did so well, he's nodding <laughs> off getting bored. <laughs> You know, he, he's from, in full disclosure, he's from South Jersey, my neck of the woods, our neck of the woods. Uh, I think he's Haddonfield, although his bio says where he's his little brother was coached by um, one of the greatest men I've ever met, my former high school football coach, Dan Spittle. I root for the Flacco family. I, you know, I I am a Joe Flacco fan by no, you know, I'm, I'm unabashed with Joe Flacco fan. He won a Super Bowl with the Ravens. So, I root for Joe Flacco, but this is something that, I mean, this threw through for three, 300 bills against a Jets defense that had given some of the top quarterbacks in the league fits. I mean, I, I, what did he throw for? 300? I think he threw for, I want to say he threw for 300. I got to double check that because I'm known to throw stuff out and then be like a yard off. But yeah, I'm looking now, Joe Flacco, blah, 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 blah. But even with that said, he threw for close to, if not over, 300 bills. Yep, 309 for, yards, three touchdowns, and an interception. Yeah. Given some of the top quarterbacks in the league, guys that were MVP candidates, fits. And he only had 10 incompletions. That I know without even looking up. This is the stuff, like, legend. This is the stuff movies are made of. This is the stuff movies are made of, you know, and – I don't even want to ask how far this is going to go, but the, could the Cleveland Browns have found their quarterback for the next three years? I don't think the next three years. I think probably because I think Haslam's going to look at that checkbook and go, why did I guarantee all that money for Deshaun Watson, <laughs> even though that would too? But I, I look at it as the fact that he, gives you, he gave this offense a spark, which it desperately needed. And you're looking at what he can do now, but the best teams that you see year in, year out, that make the deep runs, they play well very late into the season and play consistently good offensive ball, stout defense, and no mistakes, no not many turnovers. And you look at what this Cleveland Browns offense is doing right now under Flacco, he's fitting the bill for that for that bill because we've all known the Browns defense has been really, really good this year under Jim Schwartz. They've been a really good job of 
confounding quarterbacks. I mean, that wasn't going to be the problem facing Trevor Simeon. The problem, like you mentioned, was the Jets defense. And he just carved apart. I mean, if yeah. you look at the way he did, I mean, get all that practice against the Ravens defense he did previously, having to see all those guys he used to have to see, I think that helped out a lot. And he's been around the block, too. He's, he's yeah. Been, he can't throw a lot of stuff to it. So, yeah, he, he's he's on a roll, and he can he can make the Browns put them in a good position to, to at least make the division round. Who knows at this rate, it might be the conference championship. You know, we we as a team, us nineteen hundred babies, all of us babies that were born in the nineteen hundreds, we got to stick together. And he's a nineteen hundred baby, so we got to stick together. And <laughs> I was about to say a whole. I was when you were in the middle of talking, I was actually about to say holy guacamole. Like this dude is a Super Bowl MVP. Yep, it's a Super Bowl MVP. Like this is amazing, man. He's been. He's in the league now. I think he's going on his 14th season, right up there. He, he He's up there. This is something that legends are – I think he's – all right. We're, we're, we were going to talk Russell Wilson, and I will transition him in a second. So this is not the transition there. But I just want to say this. Russell Wilson just got benched, and he's owed a litany of money. Like, he's owed a skillion dollars. That <laughs> teams this offseason. I believe that. I don't care what anyone tries to peddle me. I believe that. And there's a lot of money to be moved there. The Browns as an organization, when you look at the way the playoffs are lining up right now, there's no team outside of the Ravens that you could say without with a, say that the Browns can't beat. So let's say they make it to the AFC title game. Now, I, I'm just follow me. Let's say they make it to the AFC Flacco, Ooh. Joe Jersey Flacco. Jersey Joe Flacco, that's his new name. Jersey Joe Flacco with the QB. You're telling me that they're going to change quarterbacks in the offseason? You're telling me they're going to go back to Donnie Watson? <laughs> I, I think so. I, first off, we, even before we getting that, the fact that you have the Ravens and the Browns in the AFC Championship game, all the history with that, all that would just Exactly. Be, oh, that would be great. But, no, nah, I, I think they would. I think because you can't have that boondoggle of a contract sitting there as your backup. They're going to give every chance for Watson to get back on the field as a starter. It may not be popular. But I really think it is. Is it the right decision? I, I, I don't think so. I don't think Watson deserved that kind of money he did because he's slipped every time he's been in that system. He's been bad, but there, it's going to be one of those things where the coach goes, "I want to stick with Flacco," and ownership goes, "You haven't seen the balance sheet of what we're paying out. You got to put Watson back in." I think it's one of those things, and it'll try to split it that way. But it's, it's one of those weird things where if Flacco's your backup, you're paying him pennies on the dollar. You probably won't have to pay him more. You know, I, nah, bro. I, I, and I'm looking at it now. Kansas City's struggling. We said we were on that. We were one of the few people that were on that at the beginning of the year. Both of us did not pick Kansas City to have a lights out year. Buffalo missed me with that. Uh, Trevor Lawrence is hurting Jacksonville. So you literally have Miami. And if Miami has to go to Cleveland, forget about it. Forget about it. Miami has to travel to Cleveland, forget about it. That's not going to, that's not going to work. Cause them hits in the cold hit different, and two and two ain't built for that life. So, I yeah yeah, and the AFC North in general is just a different monster. They play a different type of football there. Yeah, I all right. We're gonna move on. We were talking quarterback <laughs> salaries. Um, Joe Flack, Jersey Joe boy, doing it again. It's like the nineteen hundreds all over again. <laughs> Russell Wilson gets benched. I've been on record of questioning. The rele football relevance of Sean Payton. I think he's vastly overvalued. I don't see any difference in his resume versus Russell Wilson's. The only difference is one's a coach and one's a player. 
Russell is the type of personality that isn't volatile. He's very passive aggressive, in my opinion. Just through football, I, I don't know him personally, but just through football, he seems to be very passive aggressive. The rumor, uh, the story that comes out today is that the management of the Broncos told him that they wanted him to sit. No, they still wanted him to re- redo his contract, and he refused to redo his contract. So they said that he would have to sit if he didn't redo it. And so I, he gets benched. I don't know how true that is. It's three sides of every story. But what we do know is that Sean Payton is getting a lot of leeway here for a dude whose team lost, for a dude whose team lost by damn near 70 points. I don't know if, it, if his success warrants that. So I am going to side with Russell Wilson on this side. Where do you rest in this whole fiasco? Well, I thought the fact that I remember reading Josina Anderson, what she did was she initially reported that the union, the NFLPA was contacted because they wanted to go do this move back as late early as week nine. The fact that they were trying to do that that early just shows intent. They were trying to move on early on. It's like, why, why are you trying to disrupt the team? And, and they still had to, they weren't eliminated from playoff contention and they, and they still had a zero shot to turn things around. It just seems like he's not, Russell wasn't Sean's guy. It wasn't his yeah. quarterback that he wanted. So he wants to put somebody in there. And given that the history that unless Drew Brees is coming back out in retirement, Sean Payton and any other quarterback has not had the success that we've been waiting to see. And I don't trust him personally. I don't trust him to develop a quarterback if they take one in a draft. And I don't trust him depending on if they bring Dak Prescott or they bring some other quarterback, Daniel Jones, if they cut him or whatever. And I'm just throwing their names out there. I don't have any knowledge of that. But whatever quarterback that comes in there, unless their name is Patrick Mahomes, I don't trust Sean Payton around him because he hasn't developed him that well. And I, he's so far removed from that Super Bowl win that I just don't get why the 49 no, the Denver Broncos just gave him carte blanche. Say, oh yeah, we'll listen to you whenever you can. Uh, do whatever you can to turn his team around, and it's not there. It really is not. And I think he's going to run the Broncos to the ground. Yeah, I, I agree with it. And I look at the Broncos' head coaching situation. you got Shanahan and Dan Reeves. The Broncos have been around for a long time. Those are the only two coaches of substance there. Denver's got a great football fan base, but they're not fools. And they're not going to allow Sean Payton to – I mean, in New Orleans, he was able to get that off because he had that Super Bowl. He doesn't have that success in Denver. And Russell Wilson, let me just say this. If you are Anthony Richardson is or Anthony Richardson, uh, Richardson I believe, is hurt. All right. Uh, you're the Houston Texans. You've got your quarterback that you believe is the future, Jacksonville. But if you're the Tennessee Titans and you look at the you look at the landscape in that division, if you are the Atlanta Falcons, if you are the Carolina Panthers, because you don't know what's going on in Carolina at this point, <laughs> you know, it just seems to me, Chicago Bears. Like I'm looking at this now, the Washington Commanders. There are teams that will that Prescott. Dakota Prescott and Russell Wilson will be very sought-after quarterbacks. I don't know if Sean Payton and McCarthy would be well-sought-after coaches. I know Mike Tomlin would be. But when you talk about one Super Bowl winners, those guys are the, oh, yeah, that's right, guys of the crew. I don't think his – I'm just going to say it. The game has passed Sean Payton by. It's passed him by. You can't lambast a player the way he did Today, in today's game, I mentioned guys born in the 1900s. You get one of these guys that were born in the 2000s and you scream at them like that, 
Their family is going to be all over you on Twitter. Their agent is going to be all over you behind the scenes about trying to get a coach. Like, that's, he doesn't have success. So he doesn't have the days of Bill, Bill Parcells and, you know, I'm, I'm forgetting some of the more um, mean, not mean spirit, but aggressive coaches. Those days are long gone. You have to cultivate relationships. He hasn't done that. And he's cozy to a lot of people in the media, so he's gotten a pass. I just wonder if this move was a move that he wanted or that management wanted and he agreed to. That's what I'm wondering right now. And, and I love how, and going back to the Anderson report, when you go back to it, how the way they got around it was saying that they would leave it up to Coach John Payton in terms of how they, it was going to go, and he makes a decision. And the fact that they say, oh, we need a spark. You really, why do the Broncos need a spark this late in the season? Like, they're not going to. Yeah. It's like, you just, it just, that was their out to say, it probably was Peyton behind the scenes. And I have no inside knowledge of this again, but it's probably was Peyton. It just feels like Peyton behind the scenes was trying to lobby to get his, like, I can, I can have this offense, but look at Russell. He's not doing what I want. Give me another quarterback. And I promise you this happens. It just looks like that. It just reads like that. And it's going to wind up biting him in the face. And yeah, Russell Wilson, I think he still has a lot left in the tank. I, he's not the Russell we saw back in like his third, fourth season during those, in, in, including those Super Bowl years. But I think he's a guy. You get him in the right office, get him in the right coach. But to me, honestly, the combination of Bienemy and Wilson or Bienemy and Prescott scares me and looking at what they can do with that type of offense. And Russell Wilson, I think we haven't heard the last of him. And I think whatever team, depending on the situation, he can be back. I wouldn't be surprised if he's like near like a. Finishes like a top five, top six MVP candidate next season because it's that good. You know, I, I I don't know if he can get back to that MVP level, but I don't think he's at that backup level. And in the right, you mentioned the right situation. Let me just say this: Aaron Rodgers gets a lot of credit. He people say how great of um, a quarterback Aaron Rodgers is. I stand on this. I've stood on this, and I will remain on this. In their prime, I would have taken Russell Wilson over Aaron Rodgers. Ooh. At this point in their career, I would take Russell Wilson over Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers landed in the perfect spot with the Jets. Russell Wilson in that spot with that defense could have done some amazing things. He's still a guy that's healthy. Yes, he's a man on an island, but that's okay. Everybody ain't got to be rah-rah, go have beers with him. There has to be some weirdos in the locker room. And I use weirdos in the sport, <laughs> not in life. But just, you know, there got to be some weirdos in the locker room because that's what makes you a team. But I I don't, I'm, I'm not buying what Sean Payton's selling. I have never have. And this time more than ever, it's becoming evident. Now, we touched on this earlier. And before we get to the Eagles, I got to ask, can the Lions really beat the Cowgirls? Because I don't think so. I don't see this happening. Yeah, no, nah, nobody in playing in Dallas right now is going to be able to beat the Cowboys. And you have to look at the way this, this game is for, for, for Saturday night set up. You got Jimmy Johnson going to the Hall of Fame. Yeah. In the Ring of Honor. You got Troy, all of a sudden the Monday night crew is doing a Saturday night game where Troy and his former <laughs> quarterback is now doing the game. It's just so much surrounding this. It's going to be a three-hour Cowboys infomercial. It just feels like it's going to be that. Yeah, and the Cowboys, we know their history of playing home. So there's no, I, I think even though, the Lions are another indoor team. Cow the Cowboys play differently in that stadium, at AT&T Stadium. And I just look at the way, and I think the Cowboys roll roll with this one. It's just it's been one of those things where it's like I, I, I would be surprised, it's like 14, 17, like nothing or seven. 
after in the first quarter or midway through the second quarter. But I think the Cowboys just come out with that much energy. Yeah, the guy, the Cowgirls are the only team in the NFL. Dallas is the only team in the NFL that's undefeated at home, and there's, that's not by accident. They played Philly at home. They watched Philly. Philly is a is an elite team on the road. They're five and three. With three losses on the road. They haven't the three losses on the road are to the Jets, to Dallas, and um there was another good team on the road whose name escapes me at the present moment. The they're Seahawks. not a the yeah, the Seahawks. They're not a bad, they're not a bad road team. They're a good road team. And they lambast them. So I don't expect Dallas. Now, with that said, Detroit is a physical football team. I think you would agree with me on that. Yeah. They can get after Dallas in ways that other teams can't. And Dallas could be smelling the roses a little bit, and they are a team that's known to pat themselves on the back and strain some muscles in the process. I just don't know if Detroit is able at that point with nothing on the line for them to muster up a win. See, I, I, look, that, at the, I look at the physical, the, the run game. I just look at the Lions' run game. That's the only way they can think they can win. I think you look at the way that the effectiveness when you mix Jameer Gibbs, you get him out in space and it, and stringy, that might be their only way to win. Try to play ball control, even then that probably won't even work as well, too. So, yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> good luck with that. Line. It, it, you know, revisiting it, they have zero to play for. They've already won their division. They're already more than likely in. Tell me if I'm wrong here, or correct me if I'm wrong. They're going to host a playoff game, and it's it'll be the first time in two decades. This isn't—they've got nothing to really, to 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 put to put themselves up. They're not a good pass defense. They're one of the better rushing defenses, and they're they're offensively one of the top rushing offenses and one of the better passing offenses. But statistically, they're not a good pass defense. D.D. Lamb right now, which is driving me crazy because I, I I don't understand how a guy this slight of stature is able to do the things he's able to do. He's not a physical wide receiver. He's a good route runner at times elite, but he's not consistently elite. He disappears at multiple fa- multiple times during a game and I don't understand why he hasn't gotten his head taken off. And I'm not advocating that. I just am blown away that no one has taken a shot at him in some structure in the game. But I digress. <laughs> I just don't think Detroit can muster up enough to get it done. Golf is a Super Bowl winner, though. And when you have a Super Bowl winner and you have an elite rushing attack, you've always got a chance on the road. But I just I, I just don't see it. I just don't see it. Now, I want to transition over to the Eagles. I am terrified of these last two games. I am terrified of these last two games. It's not so much the wins and losses, although I am concerned about the wins and losses. If they don't win by 40 points, the negativity surrounding the team can become overwhelming. And I I have never seen a team that at one point was 10 and one. At one point, the best team hands down in the NFL be so scrutinized. Brock Purdy looked like a pop Warner football player against the Ravens. And no one's questioning the 49. No one's questioning. It was no excuse for the 49ers to get it handed to them the way they did by Baltimore, except Lamar Jackson on the other side. We'll finish the show with that. But conversely, the Eagles, the Eagles win a close game against a divisional opponent who threw a haymaker by throwing in their backup quarterback in the middle of the game. <laughs> and now the Eagles are up right for the taking. Now they're now everyone's questioning. Everything. 
This is a divisional game. Divisional games are close for a reason, especially when it's the Giants and the Commanders and Eagles. They're all in one little – they're within two hours away from each other. You can catch each other's sports talk nation if you got it, or sports radio if you got a good enough satellite. Like, this team – these teams are closely – close together, and the Giants, for all intents and purposes, at that point got a little bit of adrenaline boost by getting Tyrod Taylor. But I am terrified of, this, terrified of these last two games because if they're not one in a aggressive, dominating, hammer-dropping fashion, they're going to be scrutinized again. And they've got, they're probably, uh, again, they're probably going to host a playoff game, but they're going to more than likely have to go on the road for their next two games, which is a solid road team. But I don't know if they can win two road games in a row in the playoffs against quality opponents with so many negative people around them. Am I wrong? Am I off the tracks here? Am I hearing things that aren't there? Am I seeing ghosts? Where do you stand on that? Well, I think I I, I look at this, and I think the last two games, uh, I think they're going to be pretty easy. I, I look at the way the <laughs> Card- I, I do. I, even even with the way they're playing right now, I look at the Cardinals. This Cardinals team is just nah. Car- the only re- Kyler Murray he can still move around, navigate in the pocket, move and, and make some unscheduled plays. I, I look at that, but with Hollywood Brown not out. I look at this the Arizona offense. I'm not that concerned, even with the way the Eagles' defense is playing right now. And then the Cardinals defensively, I look at a lot of their haymakers. Is all right. Once you find Buda Baker, you're good. But the one thing that they the Eagles actually did last week that I thought was really good was they used the pistol and they used the run game, and they saw what happened. And Arizona comes in with 147, allowing 147 yards a game on the ground. And then they also had trouble with the Bears. Uh, containing Justin Fields, and we see what Jalen Hurst can do when he gets out. When he gets time, and he can make those unscheduled plays too. So I'm not worried about them. The MetLife game, I look at it as more of a thing. Like if you get up early, the Giants are going to have their tickets booked. They're going to go to Cabo, whatever. Then they'll be good to go and, and ready for locker room clear out day. You just got to get out on them early. I'm more concerned about the injuries on that MetLife turf in that second game. So that's why I'm, I'm a little concerned about that. But I think the way it's going to play out, I believe. I think the Cowboys win the night. The Eagles win these last few games. The Eagles get the two seed. I mean, I think the Rams can give the Rams can give the 49ers a go early of it in that week 18 game, but I think the 49ers win that overall. And I think the way it sets up, given the revenge factor that the Eagles will have against the Seahawks, I like that matchup. If the Rams are the seven seed and they play them, I like that matchup still, even though Puka and uh it's gonna be closer than I think it's gonna be it's gonna be a really close game, especially given Puka and uh Cooper Cup, the way they can play against that Eagles secondary. It gets to that second round. I think they could beat the – I think they make the NFC Championship game. I really do. Super Bowl, yeah. If it's in, it's in San Fran, if, if they had to play the NFC Championship game in San Fran, and I think San Fran wins it. But I think they can make a decent run here. You know, I, I'm, I – when you say Rams coming into Philly, I'm old enough to remember Jim Everett slash Chris Everett and Willie Flipper Anderson coming <laughs> in to – Philly in that stadium and beating Randall Cunningham and my boys. So I remember that. The thing that the Eagles have going for them, and the Giants play the Rams today, uh, or excuse me, tomorrow. I I think the Rams win that game, but I think it's a close game where the Giants' spirit isn't broken. You mentioned they'd have to get up early against the Giants. I think they just need to be physical against the Giants. It can be a six- it could be six nothing, but it could feel like twenty seven nothing. You know what I mean? Like the way the Ravens played, even though the 49ers were up, I think five nothing in that game, 
you felt the Ravens were the more physical team. You felt the Ravens were going to eventually break water and short of a referee tripping Lamar Jackson, they did. That's what you got. That's what the Eagles have to do. They've got to be physical. They got to run the ball. Like you said, they have to work, even if it's running the ball to practice against live action, because that's how they're going to win these games. They have to have a potent running attack and not Jalen Hurts running around for, for first downs. They have to have Swift and, and um, gain. Well, they, they've got to get out there and they've got to get 80 and 90 yards per game between the boat or each for the Eagles to have a chance and set up the pass. And I know that AJ Brown doesn't want to hear that, but it's the honest to God truth. They have to run to set up the pass. If they do that, they'll be fine. My concern is they haven't done that this far. And that's put the, I know they get Avante Maddox back this week, right? Yep, he's yep, he's back. They lost because Zach Cunningham, though, he's moved from doubtful now, so they won't have one of their yeah. linebackers again. But uh, Shaq has been – he's been a good player, and he'll get – he's got fresh legs. Fresh legs on a professional athlete is good stuff. So I'm not really that concerned about Zach Cunningham, and their linebackers have been a, a revolving door for years. So that, that doesn't concern me. If they do, like you said, if they run the ball to set up the pass, that gives that defense a chance to rest. It gives the big horses up front a chance to be dominant. Because that's what I think affects their pass rush. They're getting a lot of, even if be three and outs, they may be four or five and outs. They're quick. They're three, four, five-minute time of possession. When you look at where Philly ranks in the, in the year as far as time of possession, I don't have it in front of me, but I'll get it in a moment. It feels like they often turn over on downs very quickly. That doesn't lend itself to a good defense, especially when your defense is predicated on the pass rush. That's what helps your secondary. So if you don't have your secondary back there and they're able to do that, yeah, time of possession on offense, well, it says they're second, so I guess I'm wrong there. Hmm, interesting. I thought I thought they turned it over quickly. Maybe I'm misreading that. Yeah, it says they're second, so I, I'm, I'm, uh, it, it feels like they turned it over fast, but it looks like they, they're, they're where they need to be. So why do they look so bad offensively? If they're six in yards, six in points, Second in time of possession. Why are they? Why do they look so bad offense? They're fifth in rushing the ball. Why do they look so bad? It's the turnovers that they have. It's the turnovers, the fumbles they have, or the ill-timed interception. And then mm. when they when they have these long drives, you'll like you'll see like you'll see a long drive coming. Like go nine, ten, eleven plays, and they start to get toward the red zone. Then you that's when you see the false start. That's when you see a holding call. That's where you see a, a line uh, the the phantom. Offsides call or on the brotherly shove that I'm still trying to figure out after time. how that's even still called. Like that's his the man's arm. How can he be offsides on himself? But that's a whole other story. But it's uh, it's, it's those things that those are the ones that stop them from killing points and they have to settle for three instead of seven. This team, the way that it rolls, I it they should have way more touchdowns they have, but they keep shooting themselves in the foot, and that's where that sets them back. And and they're settling for Jake Elliott to. Be, to be their de facto offensive MVP for most of the season because they just make too many mistakes when it comes time to get into the goal line, close to the goal line. Now we're pressed against this. So I want I want to give you a chance to join me on the Lamar Jackson MVP train. Are uh, you still holding out for Tyreek Hill? I I have to say <laughs> you were right. You were right. No, it's like, not about me being right. I just you were right. You were right. I just need you to come over with. Me. <laughs> See, I look at all the coal that's being put in the, the Tyreek Hill train. It looks like they're running low on that, so I need to go get my destination. <laughs> the Lamar train looks like a, a bullet train right now. For I better get on before I, I want to get to where I need to go right now. But yeah, the way Lamar's been playing, 
he, the work, he, especially these last three, four weeks, and the way compared to the way Tyreek's been playing, now nah, it's, it's Lamar has taken over that as a stranglehold and deserves to be the favorite for, for that award. Yeah, it's it's crazy how it's, it's, well it shouldn't be surprised, but it's crazy how well he's played and the Ravens played offensively. You think Ravens take defense, but that offense is is really going. Yeah, and they, they, he has not been spectacular in the passing game, and that's what hurts him. But the two statistics that always, for me, that always stand out for Lamar is first downs. The Ravens are always one of the top teams in accumulating first downs. And however they get them, he gets that offense efficient and his points. And they've always been one of the top teams in scoring points. And that hasn't changed this year. They, they're averaging almost 28 points a game. And I'm telling you this without even looking it up. They're seventh in the league in first downs. Because you asked me last week why, why I was going with Lamar. You said why, just off of that question. And I said that he's efficient, he's effective, and he's dynamic. And that there's no way to overlook that when you're playing professional football. When we think of quarterbacks, I used to think you, there was a time where it was a stoic razor lock, razor, uh, laser rocket arm, as Peyton Manning said. But as the defensive defenses have gotten faster and smarter. That, ra- that laser rocket arm is no longer effective. You have to be able to make the unpredictable play. Like I, I, I used this phrase for years when I was talking about basketball, and I, it's never been more apropos than talking about Lamar, Jack- Lamar Jackson. You have to make the magnificent look in today's NFL from that quarterback position, and that doesn't always happen from the pocket. He's not Michael Vick. He's better than Michael Vick. He's not Randall Cunningham. He's better than Mike- Randall Cunningham. He is the best quarterback to me in the game. Now, is he the best thrower? No. But is he the best at moving an offense? Yes, he is. And the thing that blows my mind, his most efficient passing games have come against all playoff teams. Two of them came against divisional opponents. That, to me, with the best coming against the, air quotes, number one defense in the league in the 49ers. And I know you're concerned about Philly. They'll, it'll be a gift from the stars if they get to play the 49ers in the NFC title game. Let me just say that. They can avoid <laughs> Dallas. They're, they Book the Super Bowl ticket. They can avoid Dallas. They'll be fine. They got to play Dallas. We're going home. They're, they're not going to be Dallas. But um, going back to the Lamar Jackson point, Tyreek Hill has had a remarkable, exciting year. And there's no not, this isn't a knock on Tyreek Hill. He's not missing. He's not He's checking all the boxes. The difference is Lamar Jackson is annihilating the paper. Like, <laughs> like <laughs> no, there's, there's no, he's annihilating the, 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 the equation for, an, for it. And I'm glad that people got to see that on Christmas night because Brock Purdy is not in this conversation. Dakota, although I'm like the one Dakota fan in the world, is not in this conversation. It's Lamar Jackson, Tyreek Hill. And, you know, Miles Garrett was in there for a little bit. But when you think of the years, and even you can even throw C.J. Stroud in there for uh, the Texas quarterback before he got hurt. He had some, but Lamar's been playing out of his mind. Chris, I appreciate you. Happy, I'm like tongue-tied. Appreciate you. Happy New Year to you, brother. We will connect on our normal time Thursday next week, God willing. If I get one more tournament game, I'm going to grab all my beard hair out here. <laughs> Happy New Year, man. Nah, it's always fun talking to you, man. Happy New Year, too. It'll, it'll get better. Trust me, it'll get better. <laughs> <laughs> All right, brother. Take care. That's it for this episode of Unparalleled Sports Talk for Chris Franklin. I'm Kwame Fisher-Jones. As always, we appreciate your time of year. Happy New Year, and be easy.